tanks, frogs, and huge mutants. What? Today on Press B to Cancel. I always edit that out. I don't even know why I do it. It just feels right now. <laughs> it's habit. Yeah. It has to happen. It's, gotta, it's just... That's your placeholder. That's so you know where the, the theme music goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's this about tanks and frogs and stuff? Today we're going to talk a little, we're going to delve a little bit into Blast. Fester's Quest. <laughs> they use a lot of the same sound effects, yes. Same weapons. And probably to a degree, they share some basic program, like some basic engine stuff. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, for, for now, I want to mention that we're probably going to, Mostly just delve into the NES game today because what you said yourself, you've not played a whole lot of this game, right? I don't right? know if I've ever played it. Or you've never played it? I don't it? think I have. Like, I don't remember it. I've seen a good few people play this game. I think I've seen a speedrun or two of it without even realizing it. But uh, no, it, it looks really cool. I just, I'm kind of scared to play it because people are like, it's effing hard. And I'm like, I don't want hard. I don't, I can't handle too much NES hard. I got to even it out with like Terraria or something. Okay, <laughs> let me let me bring right up front here. Yet, um, the whole game is not NES hard. Okay, it's it's not like Ninja Turtles right off the bat, where the whole game is just ridiculously painful. Sold. Okay, I'm done. Okay, we can end this. I'm gonna go play it. <laughs> it's 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 it might hit some of that Ninja Gaiden difficulty at a couple of points that I guess I can refer to as choke points. Okay. And I really want to say that there's maybe three of those when you're learning to play this game. Once you've got a better handle on it, even those three sort of get reduced quite a bit. Um, they still exist, and it depends on how you play the game in the early part of the game to determine whether those choke points are really a difficulty for you. And I'm not talking for, like, speedrunners. Obviously, speedrunners know all the strats. I've seen a speedrun of this game that lasts, like, 25 minutes or some nonsense. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, there's some major cheats that they figured out for that game. It's crazy. However... <laughs> that is another episode. <laughs> I'm talking as a casual player of a game I love. Okay. Let's let's refer to it that way because this is a game I've gone back and played probably dozens of times in my life. Cool. And I've beaten quite a few times, but it's it's still one of those games that just pulls me back in over and over. And it's never a quick run for me. Like when I play this game, we're probably talking 2 to 3 hours for me now. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I'm no speedrunner and and sometimes I don't beat the game. <laughs> so I I don't play it enough. To be that skilled at it. So it maintains its difficulty for me. But uh, this is one of those games that just from when I first got a hold of it, I fell in love with it as a kid. Okay. And it's just maintained that grasp on me. Now, Without, without even getting into this, I want to know like what made this game stand out more than something else. What 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 appeals to you about this game? As like Looking back at it, what, what do you think it was? Well... Uh, by this point in 
the podcast, our listeners should probably be aware that uh, I am a big fan of Metroidvania of the Metroidvania wheelhouse of games. Right. And I would say that to quite a degree, this falls within that wheelhouse. Back when okay. I found the game, there was no such thing as Metroidvania. And was there even Metroid back then? Which came out first? Metroid did come out first. And I will say that even though I was awful at it, I always took the opportunity to play Metroid when I was given the chance because I didn't have that as a kid. I would play it at other people's houses and I would try and try and try and fail miserably and always get stuck, never get anywhere, but I still wanted to play it, you know? Yeah. And in the development of Metafight, because that's what it was developed as, was Metafight, not Blaster Master. Okay. It, was rebranded in the West as Blaster Master and to more success than Metafight had in Japan as well. But the in the development process of Metafight, they didn't really think there was any competitor. And the closest competitor they thought there was was Metroid. So... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even, even the developers thought it was in that same wheelhouse, but it's different enough to where, you know, it's... I don't want to say it's apples to oranges because it's not quite that different. Okay. It's, it's I guess, more like apples to pears. I like pears. I like pears more than apples. I, pears taste similar to apples, you know, but yeah. they're different enough to where they're obviously not the same. And they look different enough to where they're obviously not the same, but it's still, chances are if you like one, you like the other for the most part. Right. So <laughs> this game... I'm going to nerd out a little bit in this episode and <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun because I'm going to divulge something that I don't think I've discussed publicly before. Oh. Nothing dirty. Oh. But th it was my first like attempt at uh, crafting something that I thought was cool. So I was given this game for Christmas with probably, I don't know, 20, 25 other NES games that year. And... Before y'all go, oh, this kid's spoiled, this kid was spoiled, blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> it was just that my my dad was an entertainer, so he was on the road all the time. So since he couldn't be home with me and my mom regularly, he would buy gifts for us. So if he was in a town and he had nothing to do, he'd go to the mall. He liked to shop. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes to his detriment, but he liked to shop. And so he'd... <laughs> You know, if I was doing good in school or, you know, my mom had a particularly good story about me or something that made him proud of me, he'd go to the store and if he saw something he thought I'd like, he'd grab it. And it wasn't like just to give to me when he got home. He'd save them all up. He'd usually buy them on sale at like KB Toys or something like that while he was cruising the mall. And so for that Christmas, it was an unusual Christmas because I, I got way more than usual. But yes, I did get like 20, 30 games that year for Christmas, and it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's mind-blowing to me already. I'm he like, couldn't what? even keep it quiet. Like, he had to sneak me into his office one day when my mom was out of the house, and it was like, dude, you gotta see this. This is what you're getting for Christmas. So <laughs> he couldn't keep a secret for crap. Nice. <laughs> this was one of those games, like, I don't know, it just, the box art was nothing spectacular, but it still was like, oh, that's cool, you got the... You know, that mutant on the, on the front with the target over him and the, the blue with some of the tile work from the game, I think. And I don't know. It was just something about the branding on the box already had me. Right. 
I mean, this is the era where box art meant something. It didn't matter. It was part of that imagination, you know, where you'd watch a game and you'd be like, the graphics didn't matter so much as how immersed you were into it. So the box art was definitely the thing. I mean, I remember the Blaster Master 2 one was just like a ball, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and I will probably touch on that a little bit in this episode. Okay. <laughs> the Blaster Master box art, you know, you're used to seeing stuff like Castlevania where you got this really detailed piece of artwork, or Contra. Right. Again, really detailed piece of artwork. It gives you an idea of the characters in the game so that you can sort of apply your imagination to that and flesh out the sprite work in your head. Right. This game didn't do that. Instead, it was like, <laughs> Here's one of the bosses just slapped onto the box straight out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Which I always thought was kind of silly. <laughs> but I don't know. For some reason, I was like, that's that's a bold move, you know? Instead of trying to lie to the audience about what the game looks like, they're like, here's what the game looks like, and this is one of our bosses, and it looks pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's... Come kill it. <laughs> yeah, that, I was going to say, that's not something to, you'd expect from a Nintendo game. Because, I mean, with box art back then, it was just, let's throw in what we can to make this look as crazy over the top as we can. So, having the kind of actual size kind of, you know, uh, attempt, or uh, I guess technique, whatever you'd call it, I think that's, I think that's pretty ballsy, like you said. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a different attempt at... Uh... Shelf marketing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. And then I, you know, I, I started playing this game after I got it and I was sold. For some reason, the sprite work in this game looked ridiculously smooth to me. It was, and even to this day, I feel like it's aged pretty well. Now, <laughs> that's not for the enemies. Most of the enemies, I think, are barely animated, if animated at all. A few of them are, but the the overworld enemies, and when I talk about the overworld, I'm talking about the side-on perspective where you're usually driving the tank. You can get out of the tank, but these sprites are all... Yeah, these, these sprites are all monochromatic, usually on the spectrum of, like, white to black, gray in the middle, you know. Right. Sometimes pink and red instead of black, but... For the most part, those are kind of the two color schemes for enemies. You know, if they're the gray version, they're the first iteration of the creature you encounter. And then if they decide to implement a stronger one that might have changed AI or new moves, it'll be pink instead. Okay. Very simple. Usually maybe two to three frames of animation per enemy if you see them. But the tank, the tank bounces up and down while it's driving. It has... Frames of animation between pointing up and pointing ahead so that you see the tank's cannon actually tilt to 45 degrees before it shifts straight up. Right. It's got a few frames of animation for spinning around the top of the tank so the wheels don't turn around. The wheels are always the same direction, but the top of the tank just flips the other direction and then starts driving that way. Okay. It, I don't know. Something about that always looked so smooth to me. You hop, You pop the top of the tank and hop out, and your little... Jason Frudnick. <laughs> what? <laughs> let's okay. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um. So the the premise in Metafight was this planet was basically on the verge of destruction by I don't know if they kept the same enemy name, but in the in the Western market, 
it was called the Plutonium Boss. That's literally what they called the ultimate threat in this game was the Plutonium Boss. So, okay. again, imagination not running rampant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 80s and radiation and... Yeah, pretty much. That's that's kind of where they sat with this. And I think this was a 1988 game, I want to say. I'm, I'm really doing all this off the top of my head. I did like a little refresher of watching a video this week, but this is a game that I just kind of know a bunch about in general so if i get something a little wrong i apologize i'm gonna i'll check my memory palace but i'm pretty sure you're right <laughs> yeah i think it's 1988 you know in the in the western market the tank is called sophia third in okay. metafight that was the name of the planet that you were trying to save okay so you know there's there's so much that <laughs> sort of held its way into the western market but in a different form. So in Japan, this game, you know, you're you're on a spaceship, you're being airdropped onto the planet to try and save the planet from this threat of mutants and robots, I think it was. And you play as I don't even remember the character's name, but it was not Jason, it was something else. And there was I think a character named Eve who was only mentioned in the manual. You play as Kane Gardner, I believe. <laughs> Why do I know that name? That's that's who you play as in the Japanese version. Oh, okay, yes. So that's that's kind of where Eve got pulled from in the eventual Western market is okay. an assistant of some sort that was never actually mentioned in either game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, he, he goes down, it's it's just trying to save an alien threat, basically. Or prevent an alien, stop an alien threat, save the planet. That was the Japanese version. Very Robotech, Macross, future sci-fi. They brought it to the West as Blaster Master. They wanted to make it a little bit more relatable to what was mostly a children's market. So instead of all that, it's some kid in a semi-rural area. His pet frog escapes from its tank, runs out of the house. He chases it into a swamp. It lands on a big box marked radiation. Uh-oh. And the frog starts turning into a giant while simultaneously falling down a what a giant hole that gets created as it does so. This is very, very 80s like adventure already. Like, yeah. Goonies kind of thing. Like you're like, oh, this is... This is going somewhere, and I want to follow this. The kid's name is Jason Frudnick. His pet frog's name is Fred. He's nice. chasing Fred through the swamp, sees this hole as his frog disappears and turns into a giant monster, still wants to chase after it, try to save his pet frog, falls down the hole. No sign of his frog, but there's a tank down in this cavern he's fallen into and a bodysuit to put on with a blaster, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go find my frog with this tank. You're damn right. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's this is <laughs> this game right now is just describing this kind of th- thing like your pet ran away and you chase it and you find a a tank that is one of the coolest things you could think of happening. <laughs> yeah, like I I that's up there with being like instantly gifted the powers of being like a ninja or something, you know, like you're just like <laughs> this is mine, let's do this. Save the world. Yeah, I kind of feel like this 
really nailed what they wanted to get from a Western audiences in the eighties. Yeah. It's ridiculous and the you know, the plot is both over the top and underwhelming at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like most eighties movies. So it <laughs> Exactly. It's it's perfect. It is definitely a plot of its era. Right. And I love that. Yeah. It was unapologetically stupid in a great way. You know, and like unapologetically I think is what what I like about that is because it's like we're doing this and we're proud of it. Here it is. Enjoy, you know? And that's I think that's the best way to to do it. Like it's in your face. I don't like we don't care how cheesy this is. This is this is for you to enjoy and just enjoy it. And I like that. So now I want to play it. Yeah. So you start playing and you immediately you drop just in the tank at the beginning of the game. The music is already kicking. The sound effects are NES sound effects of 88, you know, nothing right. special, but not like hurt your ears. And the music is top notch. I, w- I would like to mention that I think there's maybe two areas in the game that have subpar music. And that's not because they didn't do a good job with that music. It's because that music was to fit a certain theme and it fit the theme perfectly. But in doing so, it's not really a song you want to like listen to. Right. It's, it's, it's not a groove basically. (laughs) Yeah. It's dreary and depressing and slow and a little eerie, all that. You start going right in this area and you're immediately like, you're given pits right off the bat. This game does a really good job of teaching you by just sending you into the action. There's never a case of something that you can really, really miss because the first probably two minutes of the ga- of gameplay, you're immediately drawn to do certain things okay. and explore a little on your own. And I'll, let me explain that. So the first area, you know, you, you jump over some pits, you've got enemies, so you're, you're already shooting enemies right off the bat. They take maybe one or two hits to kill. Not a big problem. Mm-hmm. You're faced with, I want to say, three different enemies in that first room. So you get an idea of what types of enemies you're going to deal with throughout the game because they, you know, you're given an aerial one, a homing enemy that flies itself at you when it sees you, and an enemy that jumps around. So... You know, you've got a few things there. If you fall into the pit, your vehicle starts taking damage, so you see what the damage looks like. Chances are, if you fall into that pit, you're going to die. You get to see what that's like. If you decide to get out of the tank and try to jump across that way, you'll find out that Jason is very weak, can't take a whole lot of hits. If he falls one tile too far, he dies. Like, he can fall his jump arc height, and that's it. Oh, wow. So if you go one tile higher and then jump, he's probably going to... I think he'll lose half his health, which is four out of the eight pegs. And one more than that, instant death. Yes. Wow. Okay. So he's... (laughs) So he can probably fall... Yeah, he can probably fall three or four tiles if you're just walking and don't jump anything. Okay. I want to say three tiles is what he'll survive. Four tiles is where he dies. Okay. 
I see. I I kind of like that kind of mechanic in a game like this because I don't know. I I enjoy Castlevania as much as I hate the knockback. The knockback is what makes the game, you know. Um, so having mm-hmm. little things like that, having you know fall damage in game, basically, it's a mechanic that some people just curse on. But I'm just like, okay, this is giving it a whole different level to me. So I, it's not just like a oh I hate the shitty mechanic or gimmick or something i don't think it's that i think that's i think that's pretty cool i like that because it kind of reigns everything in yeah i was gonna say i feel like this this one little mechanic sort of throws some reality into a game that is very much not grounded in reality yeah it shows how how cool your tank is basically because when you get out of it you're just a dude it does do that, and it also shows you just how, like, you know, your tank is a badass, but you're not. Not amongst all these things that are the size of your tank. Right. And so, you know, you, you go through that room, you go through a hallway. Now you're given another type of enemy, a ceiling turret, and you got to deal with that. You drop down a couple of screens, go through one more doorway. Now you immediately see... A ladder. Now, the the average player is going to be like, a ladder? Where's that go? Can't get down it on your tank. Got to get off and go as Jason, who you have by now probably discovered is a lot weaker than just the tank. So you go down that ladder, and you do have to fight off an enemy to get into the doorway that's down there, the little cavern that you explore as Jason. Mm -hmm. Once you get into that cavern, assuming you've survived this whole interaction, which... You know, your first time, you probably did, but barely. Go into that cavern, whole gameplay loop shifts. Now it's overhead. You're you're looking at something a lot more like Fester's Quest. Yeah, that's, why, that's the joke I was going for earlier. <laughs> yeah, and it uses a lot of those same sound effects. There's a lot of overlap in how these things play. Granted, I will say that Fester's Quest is a lot slower paced than Blaster Master. Okay. And I'm not entirely sure which of these came first, but like there's even some, I don't want to say sprite rips from one game to the other, but there's definitely some overlap in character design from one game to the other, like the frogs and the little tentacle brain things. And I'll come back to that in a minute too, because we're going to kind of go through the first step, the first level and then I'll give you a little bit more of a, an idea of each of the following levels. You've you've already got me hooked. All right, I I want to play this <laughs> now because this, you know, just talking about how '80s this is, honestly, is is reason enough. But the more you talk about it, the more I want to play it. So I don't want I don't want you to spoil too much for this. But oh, I won't. I won't. Okay. You go you go into this cavern and you explore and you find power ups to your gun. So now your gun's bullets can shoot further if you find some more power-ups to your gun the bullets start doing some wackier things like they'll wave or they'll do little arc spins and eventually once you've got your gun all the way powered up it just rapidly swarms the screen and actually goes through walls to hit enemies at that point so you know (laughs) there's there is a huge difference between your gun at one step from max and max just exploring the first level and getting your gun maxed out is a huge deal. You want to keep your gun as high 
powered as possible through the entirety of the game so that you can hit things and there are some bosses that can block your bullets unless you have that gun. Then you're practically unstoppable as long as you don't get hit. Uh, because if you get hit, you don't only lose a peg of health, you lose a peg of your gun. And Jason also has a... There's there's a cool mechanic that they implemented here. First off, Jason also has a grenade he can throw that does way more damage than the gun outright. It only shoots a couple of feet in front of him. It's it's the, just the power level between the gun and the grenade is massive, the difference there. But also, if you hold the grenade button after you've thrown a grenade, you may you you can strafe. Jason will now f- stay facing the direction he was and can shoot. Okay. And I feel like that is a massive game changer because a lot of times, you know, when you're fighting a boss, the boss is at the upper half of the screen. Jason's in the lower half of the screen. If you're just walking back and forth and then you try to face up real quick to shoot the boss, you're going to miss your timing a lot. So the ability to strafe is really nice. And... I understand the fact that there's limited buttons, so the fact that it's tied to the grenade is helpful, and it also makes it to where if you try to use the grenade, you can't strafe with the grenade. It's one or the other. So using the grenade, there's a lot more reward, but there's also more risk. So I I feel like that adds a lot of depth to the game as well. Okay. There are other power-ups you find in the game for the tank that are consumables. You know, there's what they call the Thunder Break, which is... I think I think that's what the game calls it, Thunderbreak, but in the manual anyway. And that shoots like a little lightning bolt out of the bottom of your tank in the overworld. There's missiles, which just shoots three missiles straight ahead of you through the walls and everything. And the homing missile, which shoots one missile out of the top of the tank, I think. And then it starts flying for the nearest enemy. So those are those are consumables. You can run out of those, but you never truly need them for any part of the game. There are points where it makes it a lot easier, but they're never a necessity. Okay. Now, the big part of this game is getting the upgrades. So you get the first one at the end of the first level. You start exploring and find out that you don't need to go into every single cavern. You need to find the right cavern that has the boss in it. The game does not tell you which cavern has the boss in it. So you've got a lot of exploring to do unless you have the manual, which I want to say gave you a basic map for most of the stages. Well, if not... It's going to be graph paper and crayons. Yeah, and it left some details out. So the maps didn't just give, you know, they didn't give away the keys of the kingdom by any means. But they helped you get started in any given level. All right. So it's a, a treasure map that didn't give you the exact location, but it gave you an idea. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to definitely be reading the manual before I play this just because... That's part of it for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I've jumped into a lot of games, especially like going back to NES titles and just jumping into them, especially ones that I haven't tried before. I just want to play again or otherwise. I, I just kind of jump in, but I, I miss the manuals, so this is going to be something I'm going to look forward to and knowing something's in there like that. Like, I almost want to just stop recording and play because I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is this is cool. And I, I like this. And I'm, I'm, I've seen enough of the game that I can kind of picture what you're saying. I can kind of picture how this works and how it, how it's, how it is. But at the same time, there's enough of a gap that uh, the imagination's kind of going wild. And that's, that's what I like about this. And when I play these old games, that's what I want to do is I, I want to 
kind of imagine this thing. You know, like you know this this guy's only like you know ten or twelve pixels high, so you got to imagine something else. You got to fill in the blanks yourself, and that's what I really like doing. So when the music is good, when the sound is good, then it's easier for me to do that kind of thing, and I just I just can't wait to do it. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing this now. Yeah, it's, (laughs) this is a game that, like I said, is just so much fun and it's never gotten old for me. It's, and there's only a couple of games from my childhood that I will just, I can rant and rave about. And this is one of them. It's cool. The tank gets upgrades as you beat bosses to the levels. So you'll probably find where you need to go to get to level two before you finish level one, but you don't have what you need to kill or work your way through the end of said area to get to the next area. So you got to go find the boss of level one, kill it, get the upgrade in level one's case. It's an upgrade to your cannon so that you can go kill this thing, get through its doorway, and then get to area two. Boom, new area. The whole theme of the game has changed. Like The first area is just total underground. As soon as you enter area two, you're like, oh, okay, we're going to see some pretty cool stuff here because Area 2 feels very much like Castle. Okay. You know, it, there's it's it's got a lot of castle themes to it. It's got a lot of bricks and stones and all stuff like that. It's, it's super cool looking, especially by the end of the area. You're seeing more detail in the backgrounds that just makes you think about where you're at a little bit. And then, you know, there there's a bunch of upgrades to the tank. You've got multiple upgrades i think to the cannon you get the ability to hover and when i say hover it's basically like right you're the wheels of your tank turn into jet boosters so that you can fly up a bit it's not at a fast pace but i mean there's stuff like that there's the ability to make your tank a submarine there's the ability to drive on walls things like that so as you go through the game you'll find a bunch of stuff there's one upgrade that just feels like the weakest of upgrades. <laughs> and it's literally, <laughs> I always think it's funny because, you know, in the idea behind a Metroidvania is, you know, you lock progression behind a gate, right? Usually that gate is you need to be able to double jump or something like that. In, in the case of one level, and I don't want to spoil which one for you or anybody who hasn't played the game, but literally it's a key. So you need to go kill a boss and get a key to unlock the lock to get to the next area. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just silly to me. That's actually an area where they also changed quite a bit because in the Japanese version, there was a leap of faith jump that you had no idea. <coughs> Donkey Kong Country. <clears throat> At the end of this, well, no, it's probably worse than Donkey Kong Country because oh. at the end of this stage, you have to climb out of the, t- like, to get through that lock, there's two of them. There's one that you face, and then there's one around the other side that you have to take a ladder up as Jason to get to, and then wander over to a ledge and jump to a ladder that is off screen. And you have to catch it on the way down because that's the only way you can prevent fall damage is catching a ladder before you hit the ground. Okay. And so you have to jump, not knowing what's over there. Just jump, go, go far, go as far right as you can and catch that ladder before you hit the ground and then come back. So <laughs> that's that's one thing that I do kind of appreciate what they changed 
in the Blaster Master version, you've got platforms that lead him all the way down. So you're jumping over little pits. Yes, you can still fall to your death, but there's no blind leaps of faith. Okay. You kill a couple enemies, work your way down, open the other side of the, the gate, jump back into the tank, boom, you're off to the next area. This game handles a lot of things really well. You know, there's backtracking. I think to get to, you know, you go through area one to get to area two, you go through area two to get to area three. I think you have to go, yes, you have to go back through area two and area one to find the ex, uh, the entrance to area four within area one. So it's got that whole greater Metroid world exploration thing going there as well. Okay, good. You know, that it, it has you do that a few times. Like there's certain areas that you you might notice something and you kind of have to remember it for later. Like, okay, I don't have what I need to get through there yet. What might I need later, you know? Nice. Okay, yeah. Yes, when you when you talk about it like that, it sounds confusing as hell. I'm not going to lie. But when you mention it in a way, comparing it to a Metroidvania, all of a sudden it makes perfect sense. And I'm just like, oh, that's uh, okay. Now... Yeah, the the only difference is it's not one massive world map. It's every area is its own map. Okay. I want to warn you, not all, but some of those area maps loop around on themselves. Uh-oh. So it's easy to get yourself lost if you're not realizing that. <laughs> Sounds like it's <laughs> going to happen. I'm going to be in trouble, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. But this this game has a wide range of stages. You've got, you know, the underground, you've got a castle, you've got, you know, a, a massive warehouse of future technology kind of place. You've got the, you know, the underwater level, the ice level, the fire level. You've got all of it. It's got all these things. And I want to say the choke points are really two bosses in, a, in about the middle of the game. It definitely one is the level five boss um actually one of those choke points is a level that you have to do pretty much the whole thing outside of the tank all right we're, we're gonna we're gonna leave the 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 pointers here now so that way i don't get any more because i i just like the story about this behind it i kind of like this yeah uh there's this lore behind this and like filling filling in the blanks is part of the fun here now so i so now you've got me sold on it um if 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 you're gonna tell me just just for argument's sake now, would I do Metafight or Blaster Master if you were gonna tell me to play one? I would say play Blaster Master. There are some ever so slight changes from one to the other. The fact that in Japan they continued it as Blaster Master and not Metafight should be enough to let you know that Blaster Master is the way to go. <laughs> okay, right on. So let's talk a little bit about these sequels <laughs> sequels okay. reboots all this stuff just quickly glaze over them a bit yeah blaster master 2 was not actually the first follow-up to blaster master first off blaster master boy for the game boy was the first follow-up and plot thickens yeah now this is pretty much only the overhead style of gameplay but blaster master boy is actually a rebranding of Fester's Quest. Bomber King. Damn. No, Bomber King, which is a spin-off of Bomber Man. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Blaster Master Boy went from, you know, basically became went from being a Bomber Man spin-off to a Blaster Master spin-off in the West. Okay. 
After that, you've got Blaster Master 2, I think, for the Genesis. I think that was the next one. And this game, for everything the first game got right, this game gets so much of it wrong. (laughs) They tried to apply a little, I want to say probably a little too much realism to this one in a lot of ways. So the tank has weight that it didn't have in the original game. And, you know, while that might feel a little darker and grittier and make it feel a little more grounded in realism, it just ruins the gameplay experience because your tank will actually roll down the hills at enemies. I should mention that this game has slopes, whereas the first game did not. Okay. Um, You actually have to actively use the B and C buttons because this one's on the Genesis, not not a Nintendo console, to alter the angle of your tank's cannon. And once you've got that angle moved up a bit, if you start driving the other way, your tank will not turn around. It'll stay angled there until you <laughs> drop it back down to flat with the tank. Then it can turn around, and then you can re-angle it up if you need to. All right. Yeah, so this is yeah, this is already sounding like I haven't even played the original yet, and I'm just like, I don't think I like the sound of that already. <laughs> yeah, and in the first game, most enemies, if you're in a room, you kill an enemy, it usually doesn't come back. There there are cases of enemies that just infinitely spawn. And so, yes, if you kill one and you go back to where its spawn point is at the edge of the screen, it'll come back on screen again, right? Most of the enemies don't. Some do. In this game, every enemy respawns. As okay. soon as you're off screen of its spawn point, it'll respawn again. So it's it's punishing in a lot of ways that the first game was not. And they took out the overhead experience and just left it in a side view experience the whole time. When Jason gets out of the tank to fight a boss or something, which he doesn't have full dungeons to explore anymore, he just gets out for bosses and segments of the level where the tank is designed not to fit. Okay. So the boss fights really kind of suck in this game. The music <laughs> is... I think this was a Sunsoft America title. So this one wasn't developed in Japan. And so it's got that harsh metallic sound from the Genesis instead of sounding cool. Okay, yeah. And so that's a downside to it. This is still a game that, you know, I I try to play from time to time, but that's because of my love of Blaster Master and not so much because it's a great game. Okay. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair. Like you're just like I I owe it to the series to play this a little bit. All right. So yeah, let's get uh I I think this is a good place to cut it quits cuz it's I know by the sounds of it, you can gush on this game like I can for Castlevania games, basically. So, before we do that, there there's a couple more titles. There's and and we're st- I'm still talking in that main timeline. So, okay. you know, I don't I don't know about Blaster Master Boy if that's supposed to be Jason or not. It might be. Blaster Master Two is still Jason as an adult, and then there's Enemy Below, which is sort of a let's you know how. I don't know how to describe this. Think of it like a ROM hack where they changed the game up quite a bit from the first game and added some new stuff. Mm -hmm. Enemy Below is kind of like that to the original Blaster Master. It's got new story and, you know, the levels are shuffled up so much to where they're not even the same levels anymore. There's new challenges, some stuff like that. This is a Game Boy Color game. And then there's, at the end of that storyline with Jason Frudnick is... Blaster Master Enemy Below for the PlayStation, which released after the PS2 was out. I want to say this was 20 bucks when it when it dropped. 
Oh, wow. It might have even been 10. Like, it was low budget, but for PS1, it looked pretty good. It nailed the feel of Blaster Master pretty well, despite being a little clunky, but it was a PS1 3D action platformer. So th- there's going to be some clunk regardless. Yeah. <laughs> and then it got two reboots after that, which we'll not delve into right now. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> there's there's been a lot more Blaster Master games that even I had realized until I thought back <laughs> on it. I was like, holy crap, man, there's a lot of them. Yeah, that's... I like I I figured there might have been one or two, but no, I remember seeing the uh, the Blaster Master Two box at uh, the place where I used to rent games, and I I just didn't care because it's literally like the cover is just a circle with like, yeah, it's the, a the... gray sphere with text written on it. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so that's yeah, yeah. like even the original one, I was like, eh, no, not so much. Now I want to go back to it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to play any of them and, and you never have, I recommend Blaster Master 1. And, you know, if the urge is to go in blind, do it. If it's not, make use of the manual. The manual has some maps that will help you a little bit without giving the whole thing away. Oh, I'm definitely reading the manual. I, I, it's one of those things now. If it's a game that I haven't played before, I want to read the manual. So, and that's... We have mentioned that there's a, you know, the Worlds of Power book based on this, which, you know, that that helped further my love of Blaster Master. That's right. So the, the, the mainline, the main series actually adopted aspects that were included into that story as canon for the rest of the series. <laughs> and then even some of that got reused in the reboots. Nice. And I, th- I want to say the most recent reboot, Blaster Master Zero, is actually a mesh-up of Blaster Master and Metafight. It takes aspects from both sides. Oh, that's cool. Now, I like that because this, you know, the same game but different views almost. Yeah, so I, I and like I, I feel like it's a fairly, uh, what's the word? I don't know. They did a good job with it. I can't think of the word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Long story short. They they. Blaster Master Zero does not do the franchise a disservice by any means. Okay. So now to talk about a little bit about my nerding out. So back when I was probably 11 or 12, I had some toy from when I was much younger, maybe seven or eight, like a Happy Meals McDonald's monster truck van, right? I didn't care about the van so much. It was plastic, but it had big wheels on the bottom. And I was like, huh. So I thought about this and I was like, I want to try to make the Blaster Master tank. I want to try to make Sophia. Yes. So I took off the top of this and then rebuilt onto the base of this thing instead of the van. It was, (laughs) I took pieces that actually like some of it was wood, some of it was metal, some of it was plastic, but the whole thing, it came together and I painted it and I made Sophia third on this base of what used to be a McDonald's van monster truck. (laughs) And unfortunately, I lost that a few years later. I don't know what happened to it because we moved a couple of times. It just got lost. It probably got thrown out or something. I don't know. But I was kind of bummed about that. More recently, uh, I've bought a couple of Rector sets that were vehicle-based, and I recreated the the tank once again out of a Rector set. (laughs) So you're stepping it up. And I had it on my show. 
That's, it's, it's not fair. You're stepping it up past me because I was proud of myself for taking the superposable Spider-Man toy I had and like using an electrical tape to make him look like a ninja. So, <laughs> yeah, now, now i got to step it up, and I don't even have any action figure. Well, I do have that Spider-Man still. But, I mean, I made it to where the wheels can turn. I made it to where the whole top of the tank can spin around on its own. And the tank's cannon can adjust vertically. <laughs> like, I'm I'm such a nerd for Blaster Master, and I will openly admit this. And you know what? When when we go live with this, I'll probably post on Instagram. No, I can't because I don't have it out. I don't know. As soon as I get it out of a box, because it's buried in a box in the garage right now since we're in a smaller place than we were when I built it, I will take pictures of it and a little video of it and put it on Instagram. So that's, that's something right. to look forward sometime in the future. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> that's all I need to hear. All right. So I think this is a good time to call it quits because the more you talk about it, the more I want to play it. And yeah, so I want to, I want to get a feel for it and maybe we can have another conversation about some of the later games because it sounds like there's a lot more going on to it than what you'd expect for an old Nintendo game. So yeah, definitely. I'd also like to mention that this episode is another little milestone for me personally. Just because, you know, in the inception of Press B to Cancel, I've mentioned that the title comes from Pokemon. We've already tackled the Pokemon episode. Yep. And when I initially conceptualized Press B to Cancel as a YouTube series, Blaster Master was where I was going to start. And I never actually got to dig into making it as a YouTube series because finding the time to make a YouTube video while being a stay-at-home dad was difficult. Oh yeah. So the I fact that we imagine. get to talk about it here now, I'm very happy. Well, I'm glad to uh I'm glad to pick your brain about it a bit. I get to rub it into the other guys too because they're like, ah, "Tappy with werewolf." <laughs> 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 but yeah, man. So this has been great. So thank you for uh getting me in on this and for making part of a milestone. I feel I feel blessed to be part of it. So now, I don't have to just thank the viewers. I get to thank you, so thank you. Yeah, when we finally do a follow-up follow up talking about the, uh, you know, some of the sequels, maybe you can tell us about your experience playing through the NES game a bit before we get started on the rest of it. Deal. Deal. I like right that. Right on. All right. Well, thank you again. <laughs> I think everybody knows where to find us. I'm Polish109, and you are... Werewolf. There we go. So we can... Uh, you want to plug your... Is this is this werewolf? (laughs) Jake? Jake, are you there? Is this thing on? (laughs) Is this (laughs) All right. Well uh, thank you again and uh for anybody who's listening, if you have any games like Blaster Master, if there's something you nerd out over, join our Discord, talk to us on Twitter, contact us in some way. We'd love to hear from you and we can't get enough of it. Recommend us some games that you think we might not have played too. Like I'm always on the lookout for games that I've never played, and there's plenty of games from the eight and sixteen bit eras that you know I've I've looked at and just gone eh and never touched because I didn't think anything of it. But I've also discovered plenty of games that I did that to originally ended up being great. So share us some of those. Exactly, I love. Let the us sound dig of that. into those so that we can do an episode on that as a new take instead of. You know, rose-colored glasses. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with rose-colored glasses when we're talking about video games. So, yeah, tell tell <laughs> us about your favorites, and uh, maybe we'll have uh, have another episode that's in-depth just like this one, because this has been fun. So thanks again, Werewolf. Thank you.
and thank you all for listening. Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Last Ancient on Spotify or The Last Ancient on Bandcamp. For more episodes, please visit our website at pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to cancel.